Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Purple Insider. For this episode, a very special guest, an NFL All-Pro with the Seattle Seahawks. Now does the Believe in Seahawks podcast, Lofa Tatupo. What is up, man? How are you? Oh, man. Thank you for having me, brother. Just, uh, you know, I, I think probably feeling the same way you are right now with uh, with a, a loss that we were just coming off of, and, and so are your Vikings. But uh, other than that, blessed. Where there were some just as you probably saw, there's some good things in, in your game. Um, just, but it's the way, the way we both, both need to finish. Right. I mean, crazy endings are pretty definitive of these two franchises, right? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> there's yeah. never a shortage of that, including when they play each other. Just look at last year, right? Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking about it, but yeah, especially they should just flex us to prime time right now, because every time, <laughs> Every time, as it was last year, it just comes down to the last drive. <laughs> right. The Vikings controlled the game for most of last year. Then a key interception yeah. by KJ Wright kind of turns it on its head. The Vikings yeah. just need to convert one yard. Instead, they don't. Russell Wilson does the Russell Wilson thing. How about this? Russell Wilson against Mike Zimmer, 7-0. and oh. uh, No. It, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, it is crazy. But most of those games wow. have taken place in Seattle and not in Minnesota. So uh, I want to talk linebacker play with you for sure, but give me, give me kind of the, the vibe of going into this game for Seattle against the Vikings, having to go on the road to one of the tougher stadiums in the NFL to play. Yeah, absolutely. It is a tough place to play. Um, You know, I think their mindset right now is uh, they got to do like a little bit of a self-evaluation because a lot of those, that, that comeback was largely self-inflicted. It was not, really as, as great as Derrick Henry is. And I mean, you know, I think uh, 130 of his 180 came in the second half, which is insane. When, who, who has the confidence to run, for, you know, when they're down 15 with 10, 12 minutes left to go in the, in the fourth quarter, but Vrabel, he did. And then uh, they proved him right. And then coming back, but the, the stops that we had on offense, it just it couldn't get anything going. We had no run game to rely on. And uh, so that's something we're going to have to look to because this is the second time now um, our offense has kind of been either outproduced or outscored. I mean, I think we might have seven to six. We beat the Colts in the, the second half, but you know, it wasn't wasn't really a game to be telling. But it, they stopped us on offense pretty much, and so and it happened second week in a row. And so we'll see what happens. But um, you know, the biggest thing that scares me about this game is uh, you know another promising running attack that you guys have with those weapons, and and you guys, I mean. I think Cook had 100 before he exited last year's game. And then Madison comes in and has 120. So it was just like, you know, what is going on here? And uh, we're going to be watching that run tape, you know, really hard this week, as I'm sure, you know, the Vikings offense will be too. 
Right. And against uh, Arizona, the Vikings were able to bust open the run game and they very rarely had to be in drop back passing situations, which is really the key to the Vikings entire offensive attack. I mean, if you're asking, you know, a swing tackle, left tackle to block on these drop back third and tens, it's not very successful. Um, but if you're in second and short first and 10, Dalvin cook is getting off big chunks. It's been very clear over the years that they can have a lot of success. That's exactly what happened last year. Uh, Lofa, why is it not different? Why is it not different in Seattle? It seems like since Legion of boom came apart as all good defenses do, it's been kind of the same story. Yeah, it is. And, you know, just trying to, it's almost like, you know, maybe some franchises that after a hall of fame quarterbacks left, they've never been able to replace them. Like, like, like Elway in Denver, I guess, just taking forever for them to finally get a guy like Manning, you know, over there. But for whatever reason, it's um, that's, it just points to how special it was uh, having the Legion of Boom, uh, Earl, Cam, Sherm, uh, BB, Maxi. They, they were just so deep, you know, in that secondary. And I think that allowed everybody else to play a little more freely. But I, you know, be misspeaking if I didn't talk about the defensive line in that era when uh, 2013 and 14, uh, Cliff Averill, an all pro, and Michael Bennett you know, one an all pro himself, two or three time pro bowler. Um, uh, they were, they were not starters. They were on the depth chart as backups, you know, Chris Clemens, who was great played with him and red Bryant, they were the starters. So like when you have that kind of a platoon, and I think that's what we're going with, we have that kind of depth right now. Um, at least that's what showed itself in the first game against the Colts. But then this, this, this last game, it, it, like we were just out there too long and, um, uh, injury to Brian Monet, from the previous week that really hurt uh, or tested our depth this week. So do you think that more or less the way that it's set up right now, especially with the way that the corners are playing uh, you have to win shootouts. I mean, cause that's kind of been what's been going on in Seattle for a few years now. I was, yeah, I was absolutely surprised at the way the second half went because I thought, especially trying not to keep the clock rolling that they were going to opt to go Tannehill and throw more, especially they were having success um Julio had maybe one or two drops other than that he played a phenomenal game and then AJ Brown I don't think I've ever seen him drop three passes he had I mean right in his hands it just uncharacteristic of him and uh so I really thought the game was going a different way and when they decided to run it 23 times or whatever it was in the second half was like wow they're you know but they had confidence in you know you keep grinding you keep getting three yards four yards five yards and then Derek's going to bust loose for a 60, which he did. And um, there, you know, that was the, you know, really the, the, the one that got it all going for them to feel confident to come back and win. Imagine a guy who was, I think that you were somewhere around what, 5'11", 250 when you played. Imagine mm-hmm. a guy who weighed as much as you, but is five inches taller and runs way faster than you. <laughs> I, you know, you like, believe him? Everybody keeps saying deceptive speed. No, he's just fast. And I mean, maybe because his 40 time was like a, a four high four, four or four five. So, but he's got breakaway speed and I don't see many people chasing him down when he does break loose. And um, we, I mean, I played a guy by the name of Brandon Jacobs, who was like 270 and, you know, Brandon was big and he was fast, but I don't know if he was as agile and quick as, as Derek, Derek, he, man, for, even when he broke that long one for digs, not to really essentially even get a hand on him. Um, Cause he was waiting for the stiff arm, you know, to knock it down. And then he was like, Oh, wow. I'm not even going to get there at that angle to 
get stiff arm. That's how fast this guy was. There was a couple guys, even Jamal's probably our fastest or he flashes the quickest out there. And and there was a couple of times where he, he broke his angle, which that was alarming to me. I was like, okay, this is, this is speed. You can't really calculate until you're out there on the field. Right. It's a, I, I mean, I saw the big run. It was like, you've got to be kidding me. And just running away from people. That's, that's what we see from Delvin cook all the time. But Delvin cook is like five foot 11 and 220 yeah. pounds. Um, yeah. He's not of that size. So there's a reason he's unstoppable. Uh, but let's talk about Russell Wilson for a second here and just the whole let Russ cook thing and how, <laughs> I mean, it, it's fun. If, of course, mm-hmm. for yeah. uh, the numbers, people to look at it. And I would too, and say, look, you have one of the best quarterbacks in the league start everything there, let the guy throw. And clearly Russell agreed with that because there was some unhappiness uh, last year. Where do you feel like that stands? Like, is that sort of in the past or does that linger? Cause uh, in Minnesota, we know about things that linger between coaches and quarterbacks. Yeah, no, I think we, we definitely moved past that. And um, you know, they, this, this game, for whatever reasons, I mean, we, we couldn't get off the field defensively um, because and there was there was a, a number of penalties, which I'm sure you'll hear about as we get close to the game or even when the game's broadcast is that 10 penalties for 100 yards. There was three that prolonged drives. Two of those led to at least 10 or more points. That's, you know, that's telling of, And I'm talking like, you know, um, roughing the passer. One was kind of unavoidable. You got sandwiched between two, but another one um, they it's just you got to know when to pull up, and it was one of our DNs, uh, I think Robert Condici. And then um, the taunting penalties, the, <laughs> come on, man! Like I, it seems like everybody in the league's getting one now. Yeah, yep. I uh, would be surprised if they hand one to a coach. You know, like you might have to tell Pete to calm down. Like don't get too excited after play; they might give you a taunting penalty. But uh, it's um, yeah. And then there's one other unnecessary roughness: a hit at least five yards out of bounds by the young young guy uh, Jordan Brooks, who's going to be he's going to be a stud, but. You got to know better there. That led to uh, an, uh, another first down on top of a big 15-yard gain. So it was just self-inflicted wounds that, you know, they can correct, and um, and I'm sure they will. Uh, the taunting thing is, uh, I mean, just I saw a, a cut-up of like five different ones, and I couldn't figure out where the taunt was. One guy spun the ball, but you can do oh. that, but not in front of the other team's It can't bench. be next to the guy or, oh, yeah, or their bench. It's what? like, yo, it's, it's a game built on emotion. You know, like we, we're not rationally thinking on half the, you know, as soon as the ball snapped, okay, we're reading the play, but then it's an all-out hunt or a pursuit to go get this guy down by any means necessary. And if you stop him in his tracks and it's someone that's, you know, maybe been talking a little bit, you're going to get up, you're going to flex. And I mean, you know, it's, I mean, it's not for the faint of heart. And so I, I, I don't like that they're taking, you know, this aspect, the emotional aspect out of the game where, I mean, this is big hits and, you know, flexing, that's where the fans go crazy. And so I, it's, it's, it's nuts to me. It doesn't make any sense at all in a sport, like you said, that is so rooted in emotion and you make a big play. And I, I, I saw this, um, this video of Bill Belichick where he was actually giving his team a hard time because they weren't celebrating enough for big plays. He was showing this clip where he's like, why isn't anybody else, you know, jumping around when we get a tackle for loss? Like, I want to see you guys to have this emotion. And the NFL is saying, no, no, no. And they had just gotten this right with the celebrations. So now let's just make this clear. If you score a touchdown, you can pick up your teammate and dance around them on the shoulders. But, but if you make a big tackle, and you just point at them, then a flag, 15 yards. Yeah. No one wants this. No one, no football these, fan wants this at all. 
some of these beautifully choreographed and I don't know how long they took to plan some of these end zone dances are those aren't as disrespectful as just pointing and flexing it's like yeah it's it's and I don't they're just taking the fun out of the game it's right like people come to be entertained and so if there is a personal matchup out there between two superstars a cornerback and a receiver going at it we, we can't you used to come to see that when Dion would play Jerry and you know like the all the big matchups and now it's like all right well now they just they can't talk trash to each other you know it's 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 crazy I me. think this goes away doesn't this always go away like the the interference madness yeah. from a couple of years ago they oh, always man. they always get the message eventually but it's like why do we have to do this at the beginning of every season with some ludicrous rule change I know it's it's I mean look I'm all for innovation and making the game either safer or more you know or better but like some of these are like you guys really spent time in a meeting room going over this like you wasted time of your life that you're not going to get back over a rule that's probably going to go away by week eight right uh if you look so direct your eyes away from the opponent if you're going to celebrate not right at them because then you can it's just yeah how dare you insane so uh okay i want to ask you i know we're sort of bouncing back and forth here but about jamal adams and where he fits in this sort of uh when you make a trade of that caliber everyone expects this guy is going to transform your defense and snap your fingers it, but yet it still feels like they haven't quite figured that all out yet with Jamal Adams, but you're watching closer than I am. So explain to me kind of how he's fit in. No, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, what he does best, they try to, you know, that's as any player, any superstar in any scheme, like what he does best, you want to put showcase or, or let him do. And I think um, what's crazy is he is one of the best off the ball or even when he gets to the edge of the line of scrimmage blitzers that I've ever seen, like Mm -hmm. they they can even call out protection and slide it to him. He'll find a way to knife through scratch claw and get to the quarterback. He's just that intense of a, of a pass rusher or or a blitzer. And um, it was, I liken it to a lot, like my guy, lawyer Malloy, a name from the past, you know, when I got to play with lawyer, he was going into year 15 and you know, we, we had still a lot of money in the linebackers and we were young and they were, you know, trying to send us on blitzes. And I was like, Hey, like this guy law is only gone on like two blitzes and he's got a pressure and a sack. Like, why don't we just send him more and let us sit back in coverage, you know? And, and so it's um, I think that's kind of what they're going to have to lean with, with this guy, you know, and law law did a great job of holding up the back end too. And see, this is where I haven't had enough time to really watch you know, him read routes and jump routes. But I mean, there was a couple plays where he looked to be a little out of position and I, I don't know what they're asking of him. I know they're asking him to come down to the hook, but him and Bobby ran into each other. And I was like, well, Bobby's been in this defense for 10 years. So I'm pretty sure he was in the position he was supposed to be. So the communication aspect has got to get better. And I think it will over time, but where he truly fits in, I think is as, as you know, in the box, downhill safety, go get it, run or pass. Fans are going back to stadiums, so you have to be ready with the best Minnesota football gear. That's why you have to check out Soda Stick. I saw a ton of Soda Stick gear around training camp. I expect to see it in the stadium as well. There are so many cool designs on hats, t-shirts, and hoodies for the fall weather, including the John Randall design that is extremely cool. There's also the straight cash homie Randy Moss homage, can't stop the Thielen hats, and a personal favorite, the old video game designs that Tecmo fans 
fans will appreciate. Check it all out at sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Everything is screen printed here in Minnesota, and I can tell you that the shirts are comfortable and they last because half of my closet is now Soda Stick at this point. Again, that's SodaStick.com, Minnesota sports-inspired goods, and keep your eye out for our Soda Stick giveaways. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because when, when he was in New York, I sort of saw him as, hey, can this guy become like a Harrison Smith that we've seen here who just does absolutely everything. everything. But when he's in the box, he's brilliant. But he could play deep. You know, he gets interception. He does it all. And yeah. uh, I felt like Jamal was on that track when he was in New York, but it hasn't quite carried over. The blitzing still seems to work, but there isn't this like commanding Troy Polamalu type like all encompassing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I've seen from Harrison Smith, there isn't quite that yet. And I I don't know if it's going to get there. Yeah. I mean, and the, the longer you go down this route where, you know, he doesn't spend that much time in the backfield. He's more, you know, at the line of scrimmage or in the box. I don't know if we'll, we'll we'll get there. Right. Um, So, and uh, you know, it's it's just, well, it remains to be seen because uh, I, I thought too, the, the guy we were getting was the all-encompassing, everything you need, uh, rush the passer, stop the run, stay deep in the middle third. And he can do those things, but if it's not it's, – it's becoming clear to me it's not a, a, a strength in his game. Um, his strength is he is just a beast anywhere you put him on the field to go attack, and he can read and react faster than almost anybody I've seen out there. Right. And uh, what's interesting about that is that it's sort of becoming a two deep safety league now where a lot more teams are playing that way. And Seattle's still kind of wanting to do the single safety and have him in the box. And I think this is where the Vikings have an advantage when they run play actions, get man to man with Thielen and Jefferson. Like that's been sort of when I look at a team and I try to project, will the Vikings have a good offensive day? I look at, do they play a lot of single high? That usually means yes, because Delvin Cook can run almost no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So not only Dalvin, but then I mean, you got Thielen and, uh, and Jefferson outside and uh, man, Jefferson's just been incredible. And uh, Thielen hasn't gotten enough credit um, as being one of the top receivers in the league for the last six, seven years. So um, yeah, but that's, this is the truth though. I mean, you, if you go single high, you should have, you should be able to stop the run. And, uh, and we saw a little trouble. We were in single high and, and uh, Henry still got 180. And I think, that was more so we, we had them bottled up for so long, but it's only so long before your defense gets tired out there. 82 plays the, the week before we were out there 71, even though it was a really convincing win against the Colts, just too much time to be standing out there. And you, you know, you either better be getting close to 40 points if you're going to put the defense out there that long, or, or you just got to get off the field, get some turnovers. And I, I think that's one area that I don't even know if we, maybe we have one turnover, I think uh, going back to week one, I don't think we got any last week. All right, oh, we got so, a forced fumble. That's what, yeah. Yeah, what. right. Uh, so I have uh, one fun question for you before we wrap up, but I need you as an all-pro linebacker yourself to break mm-hmm. down Bobby Wagner and Eric Hendricks. And what do you see in these two all-pros? 
Oh, man. Um, two of the best in the game. Um, I, I think Bobby probably excels at rushing the passer. And, um, you know, I think, you know, if, if I were to get my hands on him and, you know, really just I'd cut him loose. Like, yeah, we're going to blitz you six, seven, eight times, just like the same as Jamal. Because they're two of the guys that they just – if they get a one-on-one, even against the O-linemen, I wouldn't say it's a mismatch, but they're just so athletic and so strong that – it's a uh, it's a it's a battle that most linebackers and safety don't win that they always do. It's crazy, and so he even had one last week where he just timed it right and came clean. Um, and you know what I love about Kendricks is he can do it all. He he can rush the passer, um, he can stop the run, and uh, and he is, I mean, he's great in coverage. Whether it's man, whether it's zone, um, he's like having an extra safety out there in terms of the the ground he can cover and the guys he can lock down one-on-one. So um, we're watching two of the best. Uh, Bobby, uh, I got to give him the nod because he's been doing it longer. But, uh, you know, Kendricks, ever since he came out uh, of UCLA, he's been a stud. Well, that is nice of you to give a UCLA guy the credit. That is very, yeah, kind, was, that is very kind of you. That hard. means he's really good, right? It's hard for um, me to do. <laughs> when, when there was a play against Green Bay last year where Eric Hendricks ran toe-for-toe with Devontae Adams on a, a seam route when he was lined up in the slot. They were man-to-man. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw it. And he covered him like a corner. And it was mm. like, this is just different. You just do not see this from too many linebackers. The other thing I wanted to ask you is, I mean, you played at like 250. These linebackers now play at like 200, 220 pounds. I mean, isn't it fascinating how the linebacker position has changed? Oh, yeah. And the average speed of the guy, like when I was playing, man, maybe, you know, four, six was like fast. That's like slow now. If you're if you're a four, six linebacker, you better be six, three, two, sixty, two, fifty if you're four, six. And that's considered decent speed. But um, it's incredible how it's evolved, you know, um, you know, much more of that passing league, which has said that, you know, they're trying to go too high safeties to slow down the, all the passing that's going on. But um, it's it's incredible how, and it, you know, and who knows, 10 years from now, it, it could go another, you know, there's going to be a team that comes in and, you know, like, like Derrick Henry, and then they just rush every game for 200 and everybody's like, yo, we got to get bigger again. So <laughs> it's like, Where's that happy medium? Um, I think we may have found it with, with Bobby and Kendricks, that mold. But uh, speed is always going to be a premium, and they both have that. Okay, so who do you think wins this game? Oh, man. Um, it, it's a tough one to call because, as you know, as upset as we're feeling and, and frustrated, pissed off, so to speak, because uh, of the way we, we let it slip away, we can clean up those mistakes, and and we we're, we've uh, we've done a good job of traveling as of late under Pete and John. So uh, we present problems for for Minnesota. However, Minnesota, a team that's zero and two, is like a, a you know a wounded animal. It's like they're they're going to be scratching and clawing to get their first victory, especially at home. So um, I think whoever runs the ball, and you know I think that bodes well for you guys because that's 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 a very um, big part emphasis of yours we if we get back to it we have a chance but i'm not not yet ready to pick minnesota but i think they got the edge this week it is funny we were just talking about how like you know throwbacks and things like that but i mean this game is who runs the ball right i mean a lot that you don't talk about that a lot in the nfl in 2021 but i really feel like it's kind of a throwback in that way oh yeah and i mean i just i, I look back at uh 
what they, what they did last year. And I mean, so there's some familiarity between these, you know, teams and, um, and, you know, and the skill players and what they have. And so, um, like I said, I give, I give Minnesota the edge, but I can't say I'm going to outright pick them to win this game. Uh, I just, you know, we all, when you have Russ, you have a chance as we know from last year. Yeah, that's for sure. And like I said, uh, seven and oh is the Seahawks against the, the Vikings yeah. with Russell Wilson. So I wish you didn't tell me that. You that know? Well, yeah. The, that's like when they got to give, right. right? That's yeah. Right. They when just, a guy's made his last 22 free throws or something and they show yeah. the graphic, he misses the next and one every he, time. He just needs this one to win the game. Right. And, uh, <laughs> but that's they uh, Russ. He's still looking for his hundredth win. Cause that's all they talked about on the, the news like last week. And so I'm like, Oh my God, just stop talking about it. Like don't, <laughs> don't jinx the guy. So, yeah. okay. So here's the fun question for you is uh, you went to the super bowl as a member of the Seahawks and a great 13 and three team. I want to know who the most underrated Oh five Seahawk was. Uh, Rocky Bernard, um, eight and a half sacks. Um, one of the best D linemen I ever played with. He it's either it's either got to be him or or when we lost. Um, I'm gonna give a, a split because I love them both and they're both amazing. Both if we didn't have either of them, we wouldn't have made it to the Super Bowl. But Marquand Manuel, who came in for an injury, Ken Hamlin, and um, he really you know that was Ken was one of our best players and we lost him to injury. Uh, Marquand came in and, and shored things up and um, and 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 held it down. And uh, so, but like Rock, Rocky should have been to the Pro Bowl that year. Eight and a half sacks led us. We led the the league in sacks at 54, 55, I believe. And it was uh, not one guy had over over 10. So it was a full defensive effort. I am impressed that you had that right on the tip of your tongue, eight and a half sacks. Uh, I was hoping because we are fullback enthusiasts on the show oh. that you would throw out a Mac Strong. Mac Strong? I what mean, a piece. Uh, I, I want to see Mac in the, in the ring of honor, uh, you know, one of these days. Played his entire career here undrafted just i mean there's not a better name for a fullback max strong um just uh, it still brings back nightmares just thinking about that name but uh yeah you know he it was it was fun going against him because then i knew i was like hey if i can hang with him which i barely did then i was gonna have no problem uh with with the rest of the league yeah sean alexander uh broke off quite a few runs because of max strong in those oh, yeah, days that old line and max strong for sure and this week you will see CJ Ham plowing through one of the rare teams that still uses a fullback, which is. Well, and when we do run, we sometimes Nick Ballore, who, you know, is, is a, is a beast used to be a linebacker. And then he actually, we had so many injuries to linebacker in the preseason. He went over and played. He, I think he led us in tackles in two games <laughs> as a fullback and then converted fullback slash line. Is that not the most fullbacky thing ever? Ever of all time. <laughs> right. That's uh, great, man. There's, there are still some great fullback. And I mean, the guy's name is ham and he's a full, yeah. it's like you said, yeah. Max strong, like, or if you're not used check or Ironhead yeah. Hayward from back yeah. in the day, like those are fullback names. So absolutely. Uh, Lofa Tatupu. This was super fun, man. I'm really glad we could get together uh, and I wish you the best in your podcasting endeavors and, and so forth. So thanks a lot for your time, man. All right, brother. Thank you for having me.